So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh wow. Oh. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah, yeah. So as we kick off the uh, the beginning of episode 15 of the Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff right here on The Ringer, and uh, of course, Spotify is the gang. Uh, Chris, <laughs> before we get to the sock stuff, I got to tell you, uh, because of you, and I, because it's a great show, but because of you, uh, we are re-watching The Sopranos here at the crib. And it's because of how ecstatic you were about the Many Saints of New York, Newark movie. And I, I still, I'm, I'm holding off on your review because I know that you said there was no spoilers in it. But I really want to get the full scope and full breadth of your review. But before we even get into the White Sox and, and, and how you feel as a White Sox fan, I am, I am in the beginning of season two. And... My lady keeps looking at me like I'm stone crazy because... Well, you are. She's she's dead on in her assessment, but why yeah. this time? Doug, Richie April is one of the funniest, the funniest characters in television history. His, she doesn't get it, though. She doesn't understand why I, I find him so... Un- like, Polly is hilarious in every scene damn near. But the the introduction of Richie April to the Sopranos in season two, like just a dude who you're like, there's no way an individual like this exists. And the more you go into the show, like by season five, I'm sorry, season two, episode five, you're like, oh shit, there probably are dudes like this because this isn't just writing for, you know, a guy that's in and out. This is writing for someone who, somebody in that in that writer's room, someone on that staff, someone in, in the directorial um, responsibility for that show has known 
from the from the outfits. Like the man dresses like he just got in, just went to jail, came back out, and bought no new clothes. Like every part of the Richie Aprile character, every time I see him on the screen, I think of you and that the laughter that just takes over my body. Well, my lady is looking at me like a damn serial killer, bro. Well, he's played by the great David Proval. It's one of the great performances in that sh- in the entire show. And uh, you know, I I, I don't even want to say spoiler alert, but like you know, it's, in terms of characters, like his run was not a long one, but it was damn good when he was on there. Oh. Every every scene when you talk about the great performances on that show, Gandolfini obviously being the top of them all, but he manages to steal those scenes away from James Gandolfini, and that's why Gandolfini's so great because he uh, he lets him do his he thing. Lets him walk, yeah. and, and but. Yeah, that's what the the idea of that character. He's he's fresh out and he wants what's his the moment he steps out of out of the can. So that's what causes the conflict with him and Tony. But yeah, man, that that's when the show really hit its stride and 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 realized what it was going to be. It got real dark, real fast, and oh, yeah. you 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 question your your own character uh, d- d- depending on the way you react to a lot of these Richie Aprile situations. But he's the show. He's so damn good, and it's one of my favorite parts. And like when I do a rewatch, like I usually do one every year when I'm on vacation around Christmas time. You know, the holidays. You want to you want right. to appreciate the things in Christmas life. Christmas spirit, <laughs> right? Right. You want to appreciate life while guys are getting run over by suburbans and Cadillacs. <laughs> like, the, and, and I, we're gonna get to the sock stuff because we know why well, you that's came not, here. But this is much <laughs> right, more fun. Right. Right. We we know why you came here. We you want to you know. You want to drown your sorrows in, in, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of a podcast. But, dog, the moment when he walks into the, the pizza shop and Beansy looks, Beansy. looks poor Beansy, right? He looks him in the face and says, I'm going to stand up. And I'm like, no, no, Beansy. I've seen this show now four times through, at least five times. I, every time when Beansy says, I'm going to stand up, Richie, I'm like, no, Beansy, that's not a good idea. And he gets hit with the coffee mug. It's just. <laughs> and then when he pulls up to the executive game and he's he's on that, like, oh, God, Richie Aprile, one of the greatest, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the greatest uh, characters in television history. And I appreciate it. Like I find the gem that is Richie Aprile every time I watch this show. Uh, you think, man, I wonder if the ringer has a show where people rewatch things. Um, yeah, this is this is the ring. Oh, should we and, should we tell them Sopranos is something they they should watch. We should, we oh, should yeah. fi- officially file that. That's coming from us, the Chicago office of the full. Right. Hey, consider watching the Sopranos maybe once yeah. in a while. No, actually, they have a whole. I don't know if you've seen it. They have a whole article. They rank every episode of Sopranos. So if you, ever, if you ever want to deep dive on the old Ringer website, there they've got yeah. the, every Sopranos episode ranked uh, from from uh, worst to best. So okay, some talented folks here at the Ringer. <laughs> yeah, you know, as long as they're paying us, right? So th- let's get right to it, man. And, and you, like you said, I didn't want to get right to it. Nobody wants to get right to it. <sighs> the White Sox are done, and we have to wait uh, an entire winter and you know a little bit of a spring before we get our baseball juices flowing again. I want to ask you this before we even get into the the elimination game: uh, Do you watch baseball after? your team has been eliminated because I find it interesting, like how, how tribal and how the, the civic pride that wells up in people when it comes to baseball. And then you see some of those numbers and you're like, Oh, 
only the teams that you know cities that are involved are watching this and and that and, and throughout the years obviously that's why they want the new yorks and the bostons you know and the la's to be involved in chicago but the cubs more so than the white Sox because they need those numbers <clears throat> but do you do you watch or do you are, how close an eye do you keep on like for instance are you going to keep on the alcs and the world series because you're a baseball fan no matter what yeah i i am but but to be honest with you like you know when when you work in sports and you work in a, in a regional level you know sometimes certain things take your eyes and ears away from consuming uh, stuff that the t- your team locally is not invested in um you know last year was a bit i tend my baseball postseason watching habits tends to skew on the side of all right how did is my team in the postseason and and if they are i will probably stick it through to the end of the postseason just to see what the competition ends up doing how your team relates in comparison to the teams that advance what your team's missing uh what what they could add in the offseason compared to what the teams have that are still standing and you know so this year is, is no different from that last year I just I, I found it to be not as interesting after the White Sox were eliminated because no fans and it was weird and the Dodgers yeah. were playing and they were in the, that the, in that bubble in Texas and it was just not aesthetically pleasing and you know I just you know for me last year the fans were a huge part of it um, but this year I, I will be sticking it through to the end I believe because I think there's a lot of really good matchups here like I don't know if this game has ended yet as we're taping this that Brewers Brave series went, mm-hmm. the, went totally the other way that I thought it would obviously that Rays and Red Sox series went the opposite way that many people thought it would yeah. this has really been a crazy postseason and I think you know it's it's I'm, I'm hooked because I'm I'm invested in to see what happens to this Astros team because they are really good and you've got, you've got that intriguing matchup with uh, with Alex Cora of course him being the former bench coach for Houston now he's with the Red Sox so that's going to be a really interesting matchup but Red Sox a team that of course had to they had to scratch and claw to get in there and there they are they, they topple the top dog in the in the race so this is going to be an interesting uh, ALCS if, if you know I don't know what I'll do you know if if what happens in the World Series depending on the matchup I may not watch the World Series depending on who's left there but the ALCS for sure I'm going to be watching very intently to see how the White Sox stack up and to see the the fallout what happens with those two teams yeah man I'm glad you mentioned that to start this conversation <clears throat> the the Houston Astros like there's like a I don't want to say dynasty but I mean hell you can call it what you want they're 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 a dynasty five straight ALCSs yeah, and, and this is the thing. The, shout out to the Fox crew who kept throwing up these great graphics. By the way, Adam Amin, a, a guest right here on the Full Gold Podcast and one of the, one of the friends of the show, uh, did a great job, I thought, in calling this series. Uh, and Adam Wainwright and A.J. Pruszynski, I thought, provided enough levity, enough, you know, a, a ton of information, and just, a, just an overall vibe that I can dig. Like, it felt like three dudes sitting next to you. You know, like you had one ticket, and there were three em- empty seats next to you, and all of a sudden those three dudes plopped down every single game and just kind of shot the shit with you. But the Houston Astros are, and, and my man Chris Tannehill has allowed me to say this, but they're a dynasty. And, you know, the buzzsaws like this aren't seen very often. The only team to make more consecutive LCSs are the Atlanta Braves of the 90s, right? Like, we remember what the 90s Atlanta Braves were. And everybody, like, before the Buffalo Bills joke, well, even after the Buffalo Bills jokes, like, the Atlanta Braves never really had that feel of, man, they, they only got one or two World Series in. No, man, every year you knew Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin and whoever the third or fourth, I mean, the fourth or fifth guy sometimes would be Steve Avery, dudes like that. 
you knew David Justice and Terry Pendleton were going to be in your face, right? Like you knew certain people were going to be around every single year in playoff contention. The Braves from 91 to 99, that's eight straight years they made the LCS, right? The Astros are tied for second with the 70s A's in terms of five straight LCSs. So, you know, there are no moral victories, but as a Sox fan, I'm sitting back like, yo, you got beat by the better team. And before the series started, I was like, my, my heart obviously is staying the Sox, but my head's saying the Astros. And why? Those same reasons why I came back to beat you. This team doesn't strike out. This team plays damn good defense. You know, the, the error that Yuli Gurriel had, you know, you can you – can, uh, argue that it shouldn't have been an error right with the play with Grandal, but whatever other than that there was only one thrown error there was only one fielding mistake by the Houston Astros in four games and mind you I think the Sox played you know pretty damn good defense you know outside of today but this is just a better ball club and also and also Shout out to Dusty Baker. However you want to feel about Dusty Baker, that dude has gotten some teams to where they needed to go. Whether they were overly talented, whether they were overachievers, whatever the case, whether, whether he's managing steroid guys, whatever you want to say about Dusty Baker. And especially here in this city of Chicago, let's, let us not forget, Dusty Baker is the first manager to have back-to-back winning seasons in the Chicago Cubs history. Okay? So let's not, you know, let's not let's not go crazy out here with uh, I'm sorry, in the modern era of Chicago Cubs history, I should say. Uh, But in the end, Jose Altuve, Hall of Famer, Carlos Correa, the dude, when he touched down, people were like, yo, that's A-Rod, by the way. (laughs) And he's one of the great A-Rod today saying in the postgame that he thinks he could be the first four hundred million dollar player because he's a free agent at the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah, like you you didn't get beat by a scrappy bunch of bums. You know what I mean? You got beat by Michael Brantley. But they play scrappy. They they take their cool off. They take their cool off. They rip their heart out and they capitalize on every mistake, every every walk that you breathe into their offense. They capitalize tenfold, seemingly. Like they Mm -hmm. they like they have the stars and the star power. Um, and and they they have the Hollywood talent, but they but the other guys gonna beat your ass for you too. Absolutely. Right? Like the the Jake Myers, by the way, <laughs> pulled a major league out there. I'm glad he was okay, but my man, my man went screaming into the wall. And hey, he's down for the crown. Right. I can dig it. The best is Dusty Baker walking him off the field. You know, Dusty doing that old slow old brother trot. And Jake's like, hey, by the way, we got about 150 steps to this dugout. You sure you want to take me out? Like, I'm cool. Might be a little concussed. Shoulder might be separated, but I like baseball. Where was the cart? In? I was like, where's the cart for this man? Is it on the other side of the wall? Hey. Walk with your maybe concussion and your dangling shoulder out of your socket. To walk to the dugout real quick. By the way, you can you can get the celebration started early. Go get lit in the dugout so you won't feel this. But man, like Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker beats your head in for you. Kyle Tucker had what first player in ALDS history with seven plus RBIs and two stolen bases in a single series. I'm right? convinced that's John Olerud reincarnate because in 93, <laughs> John Olerud killed the Sox and I believe he was on the, the the Mariners team in 2000 as well. I was like, this is just like, you know, John Olerud reincarnated to come back, a guy from the left side who's just going to kill you, oh. get every big hit, you know, go the other way every time, doesn't try to do too much. What a, what a good young player, man. Yeah, and Ricky Henderson will be introduced to all three of them all over again. Again, if you don't know the Ricky Henderson, Jalil Rude story, go look it up. I don't got time. Google.com is your friend, right? But like you mentioned, the Astros offense, uh, you know, runners in scoring position in two outs. They're like, hey, by the way, this inning ain't over. <laughs> when it, I, I appreciate your wipeout pitches, but we ain't swinging it. Shit outside the zone. 
We're we going to make contact inside the zone. We're going to get these pitch counts up. Carlos Rodon went out there today with all the adrenaline in the world. All of the adrenaline in the world. What, he hit 97. His average fastball was 97 and a half miles an hour. He hit 99 a couple of times on the gun. And I'm sitting there like, you know, everybody's going crazy in the stands. I'm like, all right, when this adrenaline wears off, like, let's see. I tweeted it. I'm like, let's see how Carlos settles in. And the Houston Astros began to battle. There is not an at-bat that they take off. Uh, they, they have, you know, and it's going to sound like old baseball, you know, talk, but they, they have the right approach at the plate that you're not going to mess around and have five and six pitch innings against this team. And on top of it, their bullpen ain't even that good. But they do it. They press the right buttons. They, they get to, to you know, Filmaton or <laughs> Maton, right? But I just love saying Filmaton. Uh, they, they get to their, their key guys, right? Like Stanek was, was outstanding. Like they get to their key guys and they, they allow themselves to stay in games and jump on you. When, when, the, when the moment calls for it, they're going to take the extra base. I mean, how many? I think Jose Altuve did it three or four times this series, right? And the little things, you know, I kept tweeting about the little things, the little things, like the pass balls, or when you've got count leverage and losing in at bat. Like these are the things <clears throat> that the Houston Astros take advantage of. Worst teams, or, or or lesser teams, I should say, they you can beat them with those kind of mistakes. Cause these are the games where we afterwards, like whether it's the bears or the bulls, or the Hawks or the Cubs or the Sox, we were like, whoo, got away with one there. You ain't getting away with shit against the Houston Astros. They're not going to allow it. And especially with all the cheating stuff. Yeah. Them boys are out to prove something, you know? So shout out to Ryan Tapera, who's trying to maybe get in the heads of those guys or whatever the case may be. Carlos Correa had a message for him, you know, check the numbers, check the stats. This ain't only about banging on trash cans. We got hall of famers over here. So, I wasn't mad at it. Um, disappointed, hell yeah. Uh, happy to see the South Side look the way it did, though. And I'm going to be dead-ass serious with you guys. Like, I said it after game three. I was really, really enthused. <clears throat> and I wish I could have got out there today, but, you know, had other things going on. But really, really enthused at how the South Side looked, how it sounded now. 6-1, I was like, all right, this is a wrap. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I had, I had to go get the kid. I had to move around a little bit. I came back in the crib. It was 10-1. to 1. I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> you tacked on a little bit extra for the people at home. I, I see you. But, yeah, this the White Sox aren't as good as the Houston Astros. If there's anything that, that you wish would have happened that, that was controllable, um, you know, the Michael Kopech stuff, a lot of people are bringing up the fact that Kopech didn't come in against Correa. Uh, he didn't come in the g- in game two. Uh, those are the things that, that Tony Russo is going to have to argue, uh, not argue, but answer for. And on top of it, you got people on Twitter hoping that Tony Russo gets fired and hoping that he's, he retires. Like, take the good with the bad sometimes. Yes, there were some managerial mistakes. But in all... You know, the the top of the year lineup, I think, uh, acquitted itself nicely. But the pitching that you had counted on throughout the beginning and halfway through the season just wasn't there. You know, Lance Lynn didn't give you the six innings that you thought or you hoped he would, right? I mean, Dylan Cease, you know, that didn't work out well. You know, Lucas Giolito didn't give you the innings that you thought or hoped he would. And if you're going to rely on a bullpen – you know, that early in the game, often you got issues. You got issues. I mean, Liam Hendricks only saw one appearance, if I'm not mistaken, in this series, right? So in the end, you, you, you couldn't set up your bullpen. Uh, you couldn't play, and, and I know this is 
this this makes people angry, but you couldn't do the little things or play the small ball that you needed to. Um, this is a so pull happy team against a team that sprays the all fields and has a high contact rate. In the end, if, if things are even, if the talent is even, I'm gonna go with the team that does the little things like the Houston Astros does or or or, or do. And this is why they're going to their fifth straight LCS. So if there's anything as a Sox fan, Chris. Um, those are the things that that bother me or stuck out to me. But in the end, you got beat. You got beat well. You got beat handily by a team that I wouldn't be surprised if they're winning another World Series. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, there's there's a lot that I wish that you could have a, a do over here if you're a White Sox fan. You know, I talked about it when we set up the series here. I said you only need the Astros to be average or below average for for three days and that that never quite happened and as a matter of fact it was the exact opposite where it's like you saw the worst iteration of the white Sox team in this yeah. series i think you know they, this this team's bedrock uh, was, was built on power production and starting pitching and we saw neither of those things you know when you don't get your first extra base hit until game three that's not good uh when, when your starters last as long as they did that's not good you know that this is not representative of this team and how they were all season yes the astros are better uh, top to bottom and the white Sox are still a very talented team and they still have a lot of good pieces to work with going forward but I think ultimately when you look at 2022, those Sox can, and can see this as, you know, yes, they're not as good. But, you know, that sometimes that can be okay because then that can really, you know, hold the, the microscope up to your ball club and say, okay, what do we really need to do to get better in the offseason? And I think you alluded to it, you know, holding runners on base uh, should be first thing. You know, that, that's fundamentals right there. And hitting the cutoff man, that, that's going to be another thing that you got to work on in spring training. And yes, those things should be already taught and innate to players when they get the major league level, but sometimes maybe they just need a little bit of reinforcing in spring training because when that should be a foundational bedrock for your minor league system. Like every guy should know how to play the same way as they're coming up. But when you're doing a rebuild and you're getting guys from over here and over there, and this guy's you know st- straight from from Cuba, then this guy's mm-hmm. playing from the minor leagues from this team. Not everybody has, has that, that fundamental, fundamental baseline, baseline that you'd like. Yeah, you're you know different guys have different you know uh, experiences and different ways that they get to the. Major major leagues you know so you, you don't begrudge them of that but you know just you know the, the continuity is not there and I feel like the Astros have a little bit more of that you know Altuve was one of their signings from from very young he's been there uh, about a decade at the major league level now at this point Correa was their number one pick uh, mm-hmm. so he's been there already for for years and years and everyone else is with one of you know a lot of their homegrown guys there and the Sox you know they're getting guys from all over the place but maybe as the years go by and they play as a core for longer and that becomes a little bit more cohesive and the, the the brand of play gets a little gets tight they got tightened up a little bit just yeah. tighten it up you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know they they are not as good as them and hopefully that they'll spend some money in this off season and and you know I don't even think this team you need to throw a lot of money to to improve no. this team you know it's that's just that's, kind of, that's a lazy narrative just oh just throw money at the problems it doesn't always work in baseball you know do some self scouting do some self evaluation and this is one of the things if Tony's going to return in twenty twenty two I think this could help you. Using his experience, he's been through the wars. He knows what this team needs, so he'll go kick it up to Rick, kick it up to Jerry. Like, all right, this is, we don't need a lot, but we do need this for sure. So you yeah. trust his mind and his baseball acumen in that sense to to put you on the right path going forward in 2022. And the future is still very bright for this team. Oh, yeah. 
Um, you know, sustainable, sustainable success, success is what you shoot for, right? Yeah, and he has enough, enough young players, players to do that. that. Yeah, I, I think they have it. And my worry is, you know, they're a bit of a soft target. They're going to be a soft target every year coming out of that AL Central because of the division they play in. They can't do mm-hmm. anything about that. So they have to handle that internally. How do we play a better brand of baseball that that can withstand a postseason series like the one they just had against the Astros? You're not going to get that against, you know. Sometimes the Royals will play you tough in June and July. You know what I mean? But that, yeah. I don't know how how much that does for you in October. So yeah, just don't pitch the Sal and you'll be fine. <laughs> and, and they still couldn't get that part right, uh, yeah, of right. course, the season. Right. But you know, do you take the glove out of Eloy's hand? Uh, you know what? And uh, I, I look at everything and. Because I know that's a hot-button local topic. Yeah, I, for a while I was very much in the camp of, you know what, this 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 kid has, has not earned the right to get that glove back because Andrew Vaughn did such a great job in left field filling in for him. Um, but he says he's more comfortable, and there was a couple close calls after he got back from the IL. But overall, he played the type of defense that you want him to play all the time, which is pretty much don't hurt Luis Deep. Robert. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> play next to the wall. <laughs> have every He's like playing cover two. Like, have everything thrown in front of you. Come up and make a tackle. Tackle the baseball when it bounces in front of you pretty much, right? I think they're in more of a need of a, of a right fielder. You know, I, I'd be willing to evaluate everything at this point. But, it, you know, this is one of those things where Eloy's defense did not kill you and you tried to right. allow it so he'd feel more comfortable with the bat by taking his glove out there and he didn't really perform up to the standards that we thought he would in the postseason I thought he was a prime candidate to break out heading into the postseason never got his timing back man. yeah I think that that's one of those things and maybe we look back at this year and you see all these little things that were right in front of us the whole time that you're just hoping would get better um, they just never did, and you know maybe that's just one of those things right there. Eloy and his timing, where you look at it, it's like you know what, you know maybe another full year of this team playing together, and you know you you think they hopefully they got the injury bad luck out of the way in 2021. You know there's always more cruel things coming for human baseball, but you know Duh. maybe a, a full season of them playing together with with some reinforcements and with a little bit of that hardening. A, a postseason series like this can really harden you as a baseball team. You know I, I'm glad all those guys stood out there and watched the Astros celebrate. If you can even call it a celebration they just were out there just you know handshakes you know handshakes daps mm-hmm. pounds that's it they didn't go crazy in the clubhouse pour a, little, pour a little beer on your head dusty enjoy yourself and now let's let's go beat boston exactly so <laughs> you know i respect that and uh, you know hopefully that they see that and, and they realize the things that they have to do going forward uh, because they, they've they've got some work to do it, it's not a lot of work, uh, but it's not easy work that's got to get done for the White Sox next season. So I, I'm still, I always remain optimistic, you know. But uh, you see what the gold standard is in the American League, and right now it's not you. And you can sit there on the couch <laughs> and see why it isn't, you know. But again, it gets, gets back to the whole postseason variance thing. Who thought that be, they'd be, you know, the Red Sox would be waiting for the Astros? Yeah. You know, no, yeah. I don't think anyone thought that. So that this thing can uh, break a whole bunch of different ways for you. You can drive yourself crazy. But that, that one thing, you don't have to sit in the offseason and be like, like man, what happened here? You know, you just didn't perform up to your standards, and the team is better than you. So go out there and get better and play better, and you know, hopefully you'll be, uh, you know, in that dog pile at the end of that series instead yes, of uh, watching in the dugout. So and shout out to Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn and all the dudes who had to come up and and play real baseball, not just here for a week, not just here for three or four days and get sent back down. I mean, Luis Robert and, and Eloy Jimenez and a lot of guys on that team missed substantial time, and they were part of that runaway division-winning squad. So shout out to the, the farm system supplying real talent still, even after you think you've cashed it out in terms of all the players being up. And uh, also, shout out to uh, taking sips of uh, unmarked things in your office. I thought this was uh, 
apple juice and i found out quickly just now that it wasn't so looking forward to the rest of the pod that is chris Tannehill. you can hear him on the locked on socks podcast with him and herb lawrence <clears throat> if you're here locally and you're not listening to that then i don't know what the hell you're doing and now it's that beautiful time of the year where Sox fans can now go into their subset tribes of either blackhawks fans or bulls fans because lord knows those tribes don't intermingle too often so now Sox fans you can go be with the one you love whether it's on the the ice or on the hardwood we'll be back with more of the full goal with jason golf after a word from our sponsors the most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental easy it's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo yeah you simply twist knobs click gears jiggling and then rip it off its moorings and voila your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus when you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. All I can say is I, I'm not a racist. I don't. Uh, I can't uh, tell you how sick I am. I apologize again to the, to D. Smith, um, but I feel good about who I am and what I've done my entire life. And uh, I apologize for the insensitive remarks. I had uh, no. Uh, you know, I, I, I have no racial uh, intentions with those remarks at all. But uh, yes, they can. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not like that at all. But I apologize. I don't want to keep addressing. So it's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen, where someone says something racist and everyone runs to either their defense or to bury them outright as if that will send the problem uh, away. Until the next incident. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about John Gruden. Uh, John Gruden resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders following the release of some very, very inappropriate and unfortunate emails. And I just want to start at that first point. Uh, the fact that John Gruden had the, the opportunity to resign is bullshit. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders and Mark Davis should have fired John Gruden. And the fact that John Gruden and the Las Vegas Raiders and Mark Davis knew about this maybe before the game that they played against the Chicago Bears. Now, a lot, a lot's making sense, too, Tanny, about how that Vegas Raiders team showed up against the Bears and, and looked just putrid, <laughs> looked like a team that was not only ready to get punched in the mouth, but, you know, looking forward to it, to be honest with you. Um, John Gruden. Where should we begin? Right. Let's start. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, the NFL found emails involving Mr. Gruden from 2010 to 2018 in which he checked every box in terms of the things that you probably shouldn't say uh, via electronic mail or at all. Right. So he was being a sexist. He was being a, uh, you know, a homophobe, a transphobe. Uh, he was being a racist like he he hit the uh, he hit the, the the idiot bingo. And after the New York Times gets a hold of this thing and after, you know, Shefty and all the rest start to report on this joint, he then resigns. And in a statement, he says, I've resigned as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. Well, you know what, John? I call BS once again because you never meant to get caught. One of these days, these apologies are going to be exactly what they should be. And on top of it, he had a chance to do this and he didn't get that right. Like, 
what I'm really tired of, and I'm not going to put Chris Tannehill or Steve Cerruti in this position, but what I'm really tired of is being uh, one of the black voices in this industry of, you know, many black voices, because in this, we have to answer to how does this get fixed? Or what do you think about this? Right? People, people on my phone, on my line, apparently I have the, uh, the reputation of someone who doesn't take racist uh, lightly. And that should be everybody, but whatever. People were on my phone left and right the last two days asking me to come on their shows and talk about this John Gruden situation. Not just in this city, but around the country and you know various places that I've touched down in just to talk basketball, talk football, talk Chicago stuff, whatever the case may be. I got to tell y'all, I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of talking about it. Ain't nothing going to change. We keep highlighting what's happening out here, and then it keeps happening. And the worst part is only the dumbest of the dumb get caught. Meanwhile, the people who are still moving in the shadows and in, in the dark corners of industry, whether it be sports media, whether it be sports team ownership, whether it be sports marketing, whatever you want to consume in the sports world, because we're in the toy department, right? Whatever you want to consume, those people are still moving around out there. They're not just they're not dumb enough to put it in email. And and for for this man, because we gonna go through what he said. Right. And if you don't know what he said, he called Roger Goodell uh, the homophobic slur that starts with an F uh, and a clueless anti football pussy is what he called Roger Goodell. Right. He also used a whole bunch of homophobic slurs uh, to talk about NFL owners, to talk about NFL coaches and to talk about a bunch of people who cover the NFL. Now, I will say this. John Gruden didn't just start moving like this. This ain't something that he learned in 2010 and then stopped in 2018 when he got a gig. That ain't the real. And if you believe that's the real, you're an idiot as well. He also, and this is the other part, like the, 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 there are flagrant parts of this, right? Not just the words, but who he thought he was talking to. You know, if there are dudes in your life who come at you a certain way or, or, or bring up certain things that you're uncomfortable with and you don't tell them, then that's on you. That you're akin, you're complicit in the conversation. He was talking to Dennis Allen, who is the Washington football team president at that time. He was talking to Dennis Allen. This ain't us. This ain't him sending emails to you know a, a, a clubhouse. Or I should say a locker room attendant, or even another coach, a former coach, a former player. Mind you, those would all be wrong as well. He was talking to an, a high-ranking official in the NFL, and I'll say this as well. You don't do that as many times as he, as he did it without knowing that it's going to be received and not just received, but interacted and engaged with. That's what John Gruden and Dennis Allen were on. And then and this is from the sporting news, by the way, it included Ed Drost. I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly or Ed Drosty or Ed Drost, the co-founder of Hooters, Jim McVeigh, an executive who has run the Outback Bowl and Nick Reeder, the founder of PDQ Restaurants. So he is talking with heads of corporation and, and getting down like this. And to me, it speaks uh, it speaks to privilege. It speaks the it speaks to the overconfidence of an average white dude. I mean, let's just keep it as funky as we need to keep it right 
the hubris and the overconfidence that that many an African-American or many a brown person or many a woman runs into when you run into an average white cat is amazing. And in this, that's what happened. This dude got a 10-year, $100 million contract to be the architect. Shout out to Mike Mayock, but the architect of the Las Vegas Raiders. And before that, the LA Raiders, right? So to, so to tell me that, oh, this was 10 years ago. This was, this was 11 years ago. Why is this coming out when DeMora Smith is up for re-election in the NFLPA? Um, this dude was controlling and, and also um, involving himself and evaluating futures with this kind of stuff on his brain, to be honest with you. This was this dude's M.O., and I'm sorry, I, not for one, not for one iota, not one single second do I believe that John Gruden is truly sorry about this. You know why I don't believe he's truly sorry about this? Because how he came out at the press conference. This man came out at the press conference when he thought it was all good, right? When he when he thought that he wasn't going to lose his gig, when he thought that the worst of these things had come out, he came out in, a, in an apology. And said, I was in a bad frame of mind at that time in 2011. And I called Roger Goodell an expletive in one of those emails too. They were keeping players and coaches from doing what they love with a lockout. There also were a lot of things being reported publicly about the safety of the sport that I love. I was on a mission with high school football in Tampa, Florida during that time. And there were a lot of parents who were scared about letting their kids play football. It just didn't sit well with me. Think about this. This man is in the Monday night football booth. He's not even a coach at this time. And he's sending emails because of what is happening to his precious game. He sent emails about Michael Sam. He sent emails about Roger Goodell making, quote unquote, making Jeff Fisher draft a queer. Like this is this is the ugliness of the man. And then the Demore Smith piece, you know, the, the, the big lips trope. You can do your own Google searches. Do, what you, do whatever you need to do in terms of minstrel shows, in terms of all the things, the degradation and the, the, the outdated and aggressive and harmful, just to keep it funky, harmful tropes that black people have had to deal with for 400 years in this country. Bringing them up in, in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, whichever one of those years between 2010 and 2018 that he was engaging in this, bringing those things up, yeah, you just a lame. But to call Damore Smith, and this is the thing that, that, that irked me the most, to call Damore Smith dumb. You know, a lot of people in this country think that if you learn a certain way or if you talk a certain way, it's easy to surmise your education level. Well, guess what? It ain't just how Demora Smith talks. It's what he's actually done in his life that you should respect in terms of how smart he is. This ain't some dude who just, you know, lucked into the NFL PA job. This is a man who was a trial lawyer and litigation partner in D.C. at one of the one of the most prestigious firms. OK. This is also a man who is investigating governmental and white collar practice crimes, right? He was counsel to the deputy attorney general in Eric Holder. Doing things for the DOJ, by the way, okay? Entering private practice on his own. 
and for nine years was the U.S. Attorney's Office and one with the DOJ working on issues like national security and prison construction. So you mean to tell me a football coach has the, the hubris, has the hoopspur, has the balls to talk about big lips and all this other shit? And then on top of it to call them, you know, because this is what they do. You know, they replace this is I don't know if y'all have seen this on Twitter, but what they do is they replace a piece of the word with dumb or, you know, some other sophomoric slander. And then they add your name on it or the group that you represent. And then you can become dumb Morris Smith. Right. Man, if this isn't an embarrassment, not only to John Gruden, the Las Vegas Raiders and the NFL, I don't know what is. So guess what? You can move all them dumbass hashtags off your field and racism. Stop hating all this other bullshit. I want to see action. Whatever, how how is this going to change? Because I'll tell you this, there's a whole bunch of owners, there's a whole bunch of league officials, there's a whole bunch of team presidents, there's a whole bunch of head coaches who are right now meeting with their lawyers like, yo, and we covered. Because mind you, this these emails came from an investigation in, in poor workplace standards and practices for the Washington football team and Daniel Snyder. So while Dennis Allen is sending naked pictures of cheerleaders, topless pictures to, or I should say, exchanging topless photos with, with one John Gruden while he's in the Monday Night Football booth, the NFL was like, oh, you know, something might be coming down the pipeline because that Washington situation ain't cool. All right, let's go get it. Now, hundreds of thousands of emails are sitting with the Washington, I'm sorry, with the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And all I ask myself is, what's next? Who's next? Just like Donald Sterling. When Donald Sterling went ham on Magic Johnson in a private conversation with a young lady that he was seeing at the time and saying you can hang out with him, but just don't be caught, you know, just don't get caught being with him or a photograph being with him. There's a lot of NBA owners who are like, oh, shit, it's coming. It's coming for our ass. Then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of initiatives and a whole bunch of progressive thinking came to the forefront in the NBA. You watch the NFL over the next six weeks or so. It's going to be a lot of people losing weight, a lot of sweating going on in them skyboxes. This ain't just about, you know, John Gruden. As Nino Brown said, this ain't just about Nino Brown. This is about the whole damn thing. Yeah, man. And the worst part about this is how many men, how many black backs has John Gruden built his fortune off of? Hmm? How many people in the LGBTQ community who probably got a bad feeling from John Gruden? Because John's not the guy, kind of guy seemingly that hides how he feels about things. How many people from that community were around that dude and kind of got a bad vibe for him? But, you know, you just got to work. So, you know, you got to stomach it. That's the problem, man. People are tired of stomaching shit. People are tired of turning the other cheek and all this. You know, people are tired of seeing the most racist among us, the most racist people among us, quote Martin Luther King Jr. and all this other bullshit. People are tired of it. And the time is up for a lot of people who have been engaging in this kind of behavior. 
People bringing up Deshaun Jackson and bringing up all these other people. Hey, man, as soon as Deshaun Jackson is empowered by hiring and firing people and cutting people and, and providing livelihoods to people, then we could talk. Then we could talk. And, yeah, I said it the way I said it. It's as simple as that. Then we can talk about it. And that's an even bigger conversation, by the way, because the amount of power that this dude has had in the NFL for the last two decades, let's be real about it. You mean to tell me nobody around John Gruden felt this or saw this or thought this or or are these people hiding along with him? Right. No matter what industry you're in as a as a minority, as a brown person, whatever you want to call it, whatever subset they throwing on you these days, you know, the feeling, you know, the vibes when you're around somebody that really ain't moving the way you think they should be moving, but they just haven't said it yet. This this dumb motherfucker actually said it. He actually said it on email. It reeks of privilege, bro. It, it, it is it is amazing to me that head coaches and 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 soon to be head coaches and want to be head coaches the tree that they have to go through. You know, uh, was it a Jeremiah Trotter said it on the NFL Network today? You know, we, we don't see a lot of black head coaches in the league because, you know, the, the pipeline, you know, you have to worry about the pipeline. And can you, are you an offensive coach? Because you got to be in the pipeline. Well, guess what? If the people who are in charge are thinking the way that John Gruden is thinking and thinking the way that or engaging in the type of activity that Dennis Allen was engaging in with John Gruden, why the hell are you? Why, what pipeline matters? Hmm. That good old boy network is real. This man is talking about female referees and what it did to the league. He he cares more about football than he does people. And you know what? There are a lot of people out there who care more about football than they do people. John Gruden was just dumb enough to actually put it in an email. Time for some commercials. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Connect with the show 24-7 on the full gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. All right, guys, it is time for the award-winning segment. You know it, you love it. It's your mother's favorite. It's your grandmother's favorite. God bless her soul if she's still here. You know what time it is. It's time for angsty Chicagoans to breathe heavy into a phone, and we call it the voicemail segment. Chris, what we got? Golf is throughout uh, here in Elgin again, man. Um, I mean, the game ain't technically over, but if we all know it's over. Um, man, but, God, where to begin on this? You know, if, if Ethan Katz is so good, and I, I really do believe Ethan Katz is, is, is great, why in the hell do none of his pitchers look back at second, look back at first? How, how does that happen? How does that? How does? How do you take that bad habit into the playoffs? Is is Yamani? Is Yes's arm gone? Can he not throw to second? Can he not throw to third? I mean, I get 
He's trying to avoid that. That shit pissed me the hell off, man. And it it's part of why they lost. It's not the only reason they lost, but it's 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 part of why they lost. People just ran free, and and and, and man, some of these guys can't get a pass, man. Hernandez, Casper, Casper the Ghost, Eloy. Where, where the hell you at, man? Where, where, no high moms? You ain't got shit to say? Come on, Moncada. I, th- I thought you were the number one prospect out of out of that system, man. What happened? What happened? Where, where were you at? Where were you at? There's a lot of big name dudes in that in that lineup that that went on vacation. Straight went on vacation. But I, I tell you what, though, man. Like like Tim Anderson, he he needs to get paid. I know he's already on a contract. Pull him in right now. That that man went the hell off in this series, and he really had too much help with him. Make that dude a White Sox for life. It shouldn't even be a question. I don't even want to hear questions about whether, whether or not Tim Anderson is going to sign. That that should be a no doubter. He should never even be close to free agency. If he hasn't proven it yet, I, I don't know what else he needs to do. And, and the rest of this team, man, I, you know, I know, I know a lot of people want to talk. Man, you know what? I'm done. Tell, tell me about your bike, Jason. Did you get on the bike yet? <laughs> tell me about that. Tell me some happy news. Oh man, Ryan Elgin, I appreciate you, bro. Uh, it's, it's hilarious, Chris. I shouldn't laugh at the man's pain, but the man ready to trade everybody. He ready? He ready to fire Ethan Katz? Like, hey man, Yasmani, is, does he have an arm anymore? Like uh, today, especially um, that was, a lot of those, a lot of that running game wasn't controlled by the pitchers. Like, not even looking over. I mean, there was some PFP that, like, if Michael Kopech gets off of that mound a little bit quicker, that that didn't even, uh, uh, you know, you don't even have a doubt about that 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 bang bang play at first. Like, there was some issues with the pitchers and controlling the running game. Uh, I'm not, I'm, not, I understand, Rye. I understand where you're at with it, but I'm not ready to put it on everybody uh, in the White Sox organization, other than the players. You know, the, the players didn't play well enough. The pitchers didn't pitch well enough. Um, you didn't like, like Chris said in the opening segment, you, you didn't get any extra base hits until, you know, game three, damn near. So, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not ready to, to, to cast everyone out to see, uh, Tim Addison went over four today, but hit 368 for the series. I got no problem with problems with Tim. I got no real problems with anybody on this squad. You know, like, like Chris said in the first segment, you get back to reexamining that right field situation and, you're going to be a landing spot for somebody. There's going to be some free agent and, and not just you don't have to go out there and get the biggest free agent, but people are going to want to play on the south side because of what this young team has talent-wise and the vibes that they have. And if you're looking at the division, it's going to be a decent run for the next three or four years. So I don't uh, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of variance in these small sample sizes, and that's exactly what happened. They, they ran up against a better team. They got their ass beat by the better team. You wish that certain things would have been shored up, but – I got. I don't have as much problem with it as uh, as as Ryan and Elgin. I do. It does suck. Don't get me wrong. It does hurt. Doesn't feel good at all. But um, it's not one of those things where I'm banging my head against the, the desk thinking, "How did this happen?" You knew exactly how it happened. You saw it for four games. What else we got, Chris? What's up, Jason? It's Mitch from Aurora calling in again. Sitting here watching this game. It's not over yet. Seven-one, Houston. And I'm depressed again. I was all hyped up after the game before. Uh, game three the other night, thought they were going to do it. I think that rain out, although it could have helped pitchers-wise, 
um, I think it stalled the momentum a little bit. I think we had them on their heels, and they had a day to recuperate and kind of figure stuff out. And it's just really unfortunate, man. The, the defensive positioning's not there. The pitching, which carried us all year, is not there anymore. And the guys aren't hitting. You can't just go out, score one, and then score four, and then score 12, and then score one again in the most important game. They're not – I still think this is a year early for the Sox. I thought they could win it all. I really do. They, I mean, they have the roster, but I still didn't expect them to completely compete, like 100% until next year. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Tony's even the manager next year. I, there's just so many thoughts going through my head. It's been a great season, and like I said, game's not even over, so I hope they come back. But, damn, man, this is just it's depressing. I'll be, I'll be listening. I'll be listening again, man, to make sure uh, – to hear what you have to say about it, but damn. Damn. All right, Jason. Peace. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a Florida Evans out to do just now. He didn't hit the third damn the way he was supposed to. Hey, man, I, I know you're depressed, but all I can tell you is October 20th, uh, Bulls at Pistons. The season begins. You know? I mean, shift your attention. Don't let it get to you for more than a few days, a couple days. Um, you know, Cover the winter meetings like a, like a true fan should. Try to figure out how to get your team better. What's going to happen with the managerial situation is up to Jerry and, and the powers that be, you know, Rick Hahn and the boys. So, apparently not. Yeah. Uh, apparently up to the players as well, Tony said after the game. They asked the players if, if, if they want the manager to return. That's part of his process. Like I go to the man, I go to management. I also go to the players on my team. Hey, uh, you know, if you don't want me, I won't stick around. I don't know if I believe that, um, but I was about to say, uh, <laughs> okay, Tone. <laughs> uh, does Yermin get a vote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it like everyone who would have gotten a ring if they would have won the World Series? Right. Everyone who was there every step of the way, you know, guys that got traded. Oh hell no, you shouldn't come back. Oh uh, yeah, I thought yeah. that. Get up your mean your Mercedes in Japan somewhere. Like, hey, what do you think? <laughs> F no. <laughs> Damn, didn't even know he could speak English. My man. All right, let's get it. <laughs> he speaks like clear Chaucer, like you know what I mean, like. Oh Lord, Doug. I, yeah, Tony Larusa asking the asking the clubhouse if I should re- like, but that's that's putting dudes in it. Like, you think he asks them like face to face, or is it like a like a suggestion box kind of joint? Because that's kind of tough if you're looking at a dude like, hey, by the way, did you have a good time being managed by me? <laughs> so he could be like, uh, nah, get your old ass out of here, or be like, oh, of course, uh, we know Pito is gonna be good with it because they, they had quite the hug fest over the last you know few weeks or so. Uh, I, I guess surprisingly, Tony Larusa has taken to this club, and this club has taken to him in ways. I mean, it's kind of like the Zach Levine Jim Boylan relationship, where it was like, yeah, you know, you're not, you don't have to like this guy if you don't want to, right? Like he's he's probably not the best thing for the team right now. And Zach was always loyal to Jim Boylan, you know, I won't say to a fault, but you know, that's one of his attributes. So maybe the, the white Sox clubhouse over the, you know, over the course of six months, you, you, you build relationships, relationships fall down. I think they came into it with a lot of, um, a lot of information before they probably met Tony and you, you, you ride with a guy for, you know, like I said, six, seven months, you get to this point, you reach and achieve a certain amount of success. Maybe you don't want to buck the trend, even if you have some issues with the way he manages or the way he interacts with people. Um, I don't know it. I don't, I, I wasn't glued to that clubhouse uh, closely 
this year. I just watched the games and, and, and fed off some of the energy and read some of the stuff that was said about Tony. So we'll see if he returns next year. Um, like, like Chris and I said at the top of this show, top of the pod, they got a damn good team and they're going to be good for years to come. So it's, it's a decent ride if Tony wants, wants to take it uh, going forward. All right, what else we got, Chris? Hey, Jason, this is Noah in Lake Forest. Been a longtime fan of yours, and I'm loving the podcast. I wanted to call and commiserate about the White Sox. This was a fun season, and I really enjoyed it, but I'm going to be left with a bad taste in my mouth because I think this series was winnable. I don't get why Tony La Russa didn't bring Kopech in before Altuve in the third. That was the turning point of the game, and it was clear that Rodon was out of gas. And I have to be honest, I kind of really don't love the entire way he managed this series, which was the whole reason you brought him here. Am I right? What do the White Sox need to do this offseason to make sure that this doesn't happen next October? Thanks, man. Take care. It's going to sound like a sucky answer, by the way, but – I don't know if there's anything you can do to ensure that this is not going to happen next season. I mean, we've seen it like we've seen Clayton Kershaw get his head beat in, right? Like the small sample size and what the moment sometimes does to certain guys as opposed to other guys. Like that's why, you know, the Mark Lemke's of the world could look like studs. And shout out to Mark Lemke. I don't want to, you know, and he's probably just sitting at the crib somewhere like, what the hell was that straight for? But the Mark Lemke's of the world can look like studs in series that are short. Or, you know, an NLCS or a World Series and, and the guys that you pay the big money to can spit the bit, and, but you still win. And you're like, all right, well, well, you know, you got carried by the others. Well, it's, the stars got to be starlike. And Eloy wasn't starlike. Uh, you know, there there's certain guys who didn't perform up to snuff and the entire offense. I mean, you had the outburst in game three, but. You're not going to win a lot of games with one run in the playoffs. This ain't the old school where you just got a whole bunch of Jack Morris kind of pitcher's duels out here where it's 2-1 to one and 1-0. One oh. No, you got to put up five or four runs in this in this current modern-day baseball, especially with launch angle and strikeouts not being um, as looked down upon as they used to and everybody throwing the ball 95 miles an hour plus. Yeah, ball got to get out the yard. Ball got to be hit on the ground, and, and you got to have good contact rates. You got to have fast guys up and down your lineup. You got to have guys who aren't just pull happy. Like, these are the things. And they've got enough raw talent on this team that you can mold guys, right? I mean, if Luis Robert is just tipping, just touching the, 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 the very initial stages of his potential, just imagine what this dude is going to be two, three years from now. When he's got a real book on every pitcher because he's seen them, not just because he's listening to people or getting the the scouting report from Jose or from Yoan before he goes out there or from, you know, anybody on the bench staff. Yeah, man, just got to get some experience, experiential, uh, um, experiential proof, right? The proof of concept is what Sox fans need before they jump off a ledge again. And I think the proof of concept has been shown a little bit. And it's going to continue. I said 2024, a good two or three years, messing around, talking to anybody about the White Sox that I could. And guess what? We're here now. It's 2021. We are just getting into the window of what this Sox team should be. And, and looking at what's happened on the north side, don't take that window for granted. That window could be three or four years. You're messing around thinking it's going to be six, seven, eight years. That window could be three or four years. Anything is possible. Teams get tired of managers. Teams get tired of each other. 
right? Success. Teams get tired of success. Like, like it sounds crazy, but it happens out there. So uh, I don't know if there's any any earth shattering or mind blowing move that could happen that'll put these socks in any different position that I think they should be in. I, I'm gonna trust Lucas Giolito. I'm gonna trust Lance Lynn going forward. I'm gonna trust the the, the workhorses, the stalwarts on this team that are young that we haven't really seen. Uh, many of those moments from this is it's a lot of these guys first postseason real experience last year with COVID and everything that was going on in the truncated season yeah man this is this is it this is the first taste hopefully there's going to be a lot more bites at the apple all right last one we got Tanny who is it yeah it's 815 Harrell and I'm just so grateful that there's a finals game tomorrow to wash all of this away um, I'm so grateful there's a Bears game being started by Justin Fields just a few more days after that. And, uh, of course, we got the Bulls season start up soon. So nothing to nothing to be sour about, nothing to be down about. we got a lot of exciting things happening in the city of Chicago. Looking forward to all of them. Peace. There you go. That's the spirit. I wanted to end it off with a bang right there. Yeah, man. Chicago Sky, Phoenix Mercury tomorrow night. Tip-off, I believe, is at 8 o'clock. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. And on top of that, after the Sky game is over, after they beat up on Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi and the like, you know, but shout out to, you know, the Candace Parkers of the world and Kalia Copper and, and of course, Ali Quigley and, and Courtney Vandersloot and Stephanie Dolson coming off the bench with big points uh, in the last game. After that game is done, you can just go on over and watch the Blackhawks and the Avs. Seth Jones and the boys get it on. So, yeah, man, they're, they're, there's one season that's come to a close. There's one season that still has championship glory in its midst. And you got one season that's starting with the Blackhawks. And then we get to the Bulls season. Bulls play on Friday, so it'll be the last preseason game before they get some time off. Looking forward to seeing Patrick Williams hopefully out there on Friday after he's coming back from a sprained ankle, a severely sprained ankle at that. Bulls been running and gunning and, and <clears throat> looking a lot better, obviously, than they've looked the last couple of years because Zach is surrounded by some real killers out there, not just you know kids who are trying to figure their way out in NBA life. So yeah, yeah, that there's the spirit. Look forward to something instead of lamenting what you just went through because we can all do that, right? All right. Once again, want to thank you guys so much for your voicemails. Keep it coming. You know the phone number seven seven three three five nine three one zero nine. I believe is the phone number. I, I'm trying to trying to, to get this into my memory. Chris, is is that the phone number? I believe it is. It is not seven seven three three five nine three one zero three. Oh, the last number. I feel like an idiot Price is Right contestant right there. Damn. 773-359-3103 is the voicemail. Make sure you save that into your contacts right next to all the people that you truly love because we know that you love the podcast. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. All right, that's all the time we have for episode 15 of the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with NFL Network's very own Kyle Brent. Uh, early on this season, he made a lot of Chicago Bears fans happy by going off on Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears and the tr- treatment of one Justin Fields. By the way, Justin Fields will have more news on that knee hyperextension and how he's feeling if he's bouncing back the way a kid in his young 20s. Or I should say a young man in his young 20s would bounce back because Lord knows if that happens to me, you might as well just cut that joint off because at 40... 
soon to be 41. Uh, I can't do anything without it hurting the next morning. Plus, make sure you call or text with your thoughts on anything on the voicemail line, 773-359-3103. All right, 773-359-3103 is the phone number. As always, thank you to my main man, Chris Tannehill, for the production on this joint. And thank you for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate your downloads. I appreciate you sharing it word of mouth on all your your uh, <laughs> your social media platforms when they're not crashing for six hours out here. By the way, shout out to all those people who learned how to cook and, the, and who felt really good about themselves for the six hours their Instagram and Facebook was down. And uh, I saw the memes and everything about people going and getting their, their people vaccinated while Facebook was down so shout out to y'all for sharing and liking and reviewing and rating this podcast we truly truly appreciate you as it grows we grow together so for chris and everybody involved my name is jason golf this has been the full goal podcast with jason golf brought to you by the ringer as always spotify is the gang take care of each other and as always be safe thank you for listening to my daddy it's the full goal